And welcome back, everybody, to the Hangout in the Holy Land podcast, your official podcast of LandGrantHolyLand.com. You already know what time it is. It is the biggest week of the year in Ohio State athletics, not just football. It is Michigan week. And joining me to talk about Michigan week is the managing editor over at mazenbrew.com, which you can find on Twitter at mazenbrew. And his name is Anthony Broom. Anthony, how are you doing today? What's going on? I'm, uh, I'm behind enemy lines this week, so I'm, I'm ready for it. Yeah, we're going to try to keep this cordial. I, th- I think both of us are grown adults here, though. You know, we, c- we can have a civil conversation despite being on different sides of the fence. <laughs> oh, yeah. No, I've, I've been on... Uh... In in game years past, I've been on podcasts where, um, you know, I feel like I pretty level headed. Try to keep it even keel because, um, you know, even when you take emotions out of it, it's still it's still a pretty exciting game to talk about. But I've been on podcasts before where, you know, it was a, an Ohio State podcast or even some Michigan podcasts where it just, you know, not all that professional. And uh, <laughs> I, I'll say it, yeah, I mean, it was. Uh, it was what it was, but I'm excited uh, to come on and talk uh, talk about the game with you guys. Uh, you know, obviously, uh, you know, kissing the butt a little bit, have have a lot of respect for what you guys do. So uh, excited to chat about it. One, well, you talked about you know how how the game is all, always good. Just taking aside the fan base portion of it, how how it always this week it always feels bigger, and especially this week with the matchup you have number two versus number three. It's the biggest game since the 06 game. Just putting aside the work stuff you do for maize and brew just like what's your usual game week like because we we talked about before we started recording it's always thanksgiving week so like you you probably got a lot of family stuff going on then you got work stuff and then to add on top of this it's michigan ohio state and this year basically everything is on the line so uh, what's your usual game week like and then what what's it like this year does it feel any different oh it feels very different um Mostly because, uh, you know, it's of, of like what you said of what's on the line, uh, what these two teams will be playing for. Uh, and, and we talked about it before. Yeah. It just kind of, it kind of sneaks up on you a little bit. Cause you do have, uh, you do have Thanksgiving on Thursday. Um, some people will travel. I'll actually be, uh, traveling Friday down to Columbus. I'll be at the game on Saturday, uh, covering it for the website. So a little bit crazy trying to, uh, you know, get all the ducks in a row with uh, with our website. With um, I'm doing Cincinnati Bengals stuff for uh, for 24/7 Sports, so trying to get all that stuff set up. So it's been a lot more hectic than years past. But uh, again, I mean, you have a game of this magnitude, you wouldn't you wouldn't trade that for anything in the world. Well, and speaking of big games, the the 2006 game. Before we get in, into this one, uh, Big Ten did a big special on it on Monday. There's been a lot of reminiscing since it's the 10 year anniversary. Do you do you remember anything in particular about where you watched that game, or what what are your biggest memories from that matchup? I remember since 2006, so I would have been 14 years old. I was watching the game. I watched it. Uh, I think I watched most of the game at a bar. But then all my friends, all my little middle school friends, wanted to go to the movies that night. And with it being a 3:30 kick and ESPN or ABC game, I forget what it was. Those games tend to go a little longer than the normal uh, the normal three three and a half hours. So we all, my friends, wanted to go to the movies. I, you know, being the impressionable uh, teenager that I was, I went to the movies. Did not see all of the game, but. I missed I missed pretty much the fourth quarter of it. So that's what I remember. If I'm uh, if I'm not loyal because of that, that's fine. <laughs> it was a long time ago, but I mean I, I have seen you know there are a lot of Michigan fans who can't stomach that game after all these years still and they haven't watched any replays of it or anything like that. I mean I've I've caught 
you know, just in the middle of a day when there's nothing else on, and that might be on whatever it is, Big Ten Network or ESPN Classic. I've caught that game a lot since then. It, uh, I mean, it's, I mean, we're biased. You and I talking about it now, but it, you'd be hard pressed to say it's not one of the the all time great games in college football. And the one versus two again, so much on the line. Maybe more so on the line in that game than there will be this year, just because of. Uh, there was no playoff. Uh, it was one versus two. Uh, Bo Schemmeckler had died the day before the game. So, I mean, as far as the legacy, I mean, that one is, I mean, everyone, each school kind of has the uh, the one, their, their shining moment in the rivalry. But in terms of the best game that has been played between those two teams, you'd be hard-pressed to find a better one than that game, in my opinion. When, and you mentioned Bo dying and, and that, that you were young. I was only 16, so I, I sat down and watched the whole game. But I do remember that morning hearing that Bo Schembechler had died. When you were that young, could you really process kind of in the grand scheme of what that meant, not only for the Michigan fan base, the, the community of the University of Michigan, but the fact that it happened the day before the game and not just one Ohio State-Michigan game, but probably the biggest of all time? Or has that been something as you've gotten older? Is like, wow, that, w- that was pretty incredible. Yeah, back when it happened, try to remember. I mean, I was old enough. I was old enough to know that, wow, that's, it's very sad. It sucks. It's, in my head, it was, okay, now Michigan goes out and wins this game for Bo. That's what my 14-year-old head kind of uh, saw happening or, or processed it as. I mean, I think if it had maybe happened maybe two, three, four, maybe even five years later, I think there definitely would have been, I mean, a little more reflection on it, probably a little more sad just because, you know, I think at that age you're still, I don't know, I was. it didn't really hit me um, like it maybe would have hit me if I was a couple of years older, but uh, yeah, what a I mean, what a strange way, what a strange way to meet your end right before the game. It's it's it. I guess at the time it kind of felt a little prophetic about what uh, what what may have come, and, and it was obviously a great game, but uh, you know it it didn't go Michigan's way, and it just kind of added to I think maybe the sadness that a lot of people felt. Well, and moving from one legendary Michigan coach to one that's that's now making his name, and if the first season and a half or almost two seasons now are any indication, is going to be up there. What have the two years of Jim Harbaugh been like, not only just from a fan perspective, but covering this? Because as we've seen since he took that job, there's been so much attention and there's been so many stories about things that not only he's done, either on the recruiting trail or things that he said about other head coaches. How has that been in comparison? into like covering or watching Brady Hoke's program or the Rich Rodriguez program under Michigan? Yeah, I think what I've told some people about it, you know, it's it's every day you write a headline or you see a headline that looks like it's something straight out of, you know, The Onion or Sports Pickle or some kind of sports satire site. I mean, we're talking about, you know, a, a coach that did the, the whole the, the satellite camp thing and uh, sleepovers with recruits. And, and I mean, you name it. Every day it's been something a little bit. I, it's been very different. You know, I think he doesn't give a whole lot of sound bites in terms of, I mean, I don't know if anyone's seen anything from early in this week. He's in lockdown mode. He's given the one, the coach speak mode. It's what you expect out of him, but he's always, he, he's a unique character, but for what my money's worth, I mean, he's, I mean, you have your Nick Sabans, you have obviously Urban Meyer. I think in terms of pure X's and O's, 
coaching, I think he's he's one of the two two or three best at, at any level of the sport. And Urban Meyer's in that group. Like I said, Nick Saban's in that group. You know, I think it's what he's been able to do with. And mind you, these are all this senior class that is leading this team. These are all Brady Hoax players right now. And I know that's you know Brady Hoax recruited fine, but uh, you know he's just been able to squeeze out of this team. Something that I think people didn't really think was there after the Hoke era was over or while it was going on. So I don't know if you can, I mean, they're pretty darn good right now. I don't know if you can say it's going to be, they'll, they'll ratchet it up and they'll be even better in years to come. I, I think they're, Michigan's back and they're here to stay. Um, and I think that, you know, they don't want to, him and Urban Meyer don't want to talk about a 10 year war, but I think when we look at what, What's going on now? What's I mean, the games like what are even last year's game? There were Big Ten title implications on the line. When you and that's what you expect when these two teams play. Something you know, it's not Michigan looking to get bowl eligible or you know Ohio State looking to beat them by four or five touchdowns. It's you know these games affect the Big Ten race, the college football playoff. That's what you expect from this rivalry. And I think Michigan is back to to holding up on their end of the deal there. So uh, when you look at you know, everyone always talks about the, the Bow and Woody 10-year war. I think, I mean, I don't know how long either of these guys are going to be there. Um, some people think Harbaugh will bolt to the NFL after every season he coaches. Uh, it's I don't see that happening. But I do think we're in the era of a modern 10-year war, and uh, this rivalry is, is back to where it's supposed to be. Does that mean Michigan will win Saturday? I don't know. But I think that we're back to it being a must-watch game uh, for not just the, these two fan bases, but for everybody in college football. Well, and one way that they've been able to to completely ratchet up the play on the field has been with the defense in the two years under Harbaugh, and especially this season under new coordinator, defensive coordinator Don Brown. How is his hiring and what he does schematically and in, in using the some of the more unique pieces that Michigan has, especially in the back seven, how has he been able to mold them into probably the best defense in the country this season? Uh, I think it's, again, it's just... If if last year was, you know, I think Michigan still had a pretty good defense under Brady Hoke. Uh, and like I said before, a lot of these guys are still his guys. But I think what you're seeing now is, you know, just in, in the strength and conditioning and the way some of these guys are coached, that they're being deployed. And health is a big thing, too. Uh, one of their better players on defense that doesn't get the praise of a Jarrell Peppers or a Jordan Lewis or some of the guys in their defensive line. A guy like Mike McCray is a guy that uh, has finally been able to stay healthy and stay on the field. And, you know, he's a guy uh, at linebacker who is one of the keys to this whole game on Saturday, how he plays against the run. Uh, I just think that they've done a really nice job of putting the guys that they have in position to make plays. Uh, I don't think they have, they quite have the athletes that they want for Don Brown's defense yet, but I, I think they just do a really nice job of playing to their strengths and getting the job done with what they have. Uh, they get, there's a lot of NFL guys on that defense right now. And you saw, you know, I don't know if they'll send as many guys to the NFL like they, like Ohio state did last year, but they're going to come pretty darn close. And, I think that's a testament to not only what Don Brown's been able to unlock from a lot of these players, but what Jim Harbaugh and, and everyone's been able to do there. It's It's been a really, after last, I think people thought this would be a two or three year process before they get to this point, but it's here and it happened. It, it happened very fast and can't say enough about what, what Don Brown did and, and what uh, DJ Durkin was able to do uh, in his first year last year before he went to Maryland. So I think that, like I said, no, to keep repeating myself, I think they just do a really nice job of deploying what they have. They've got a lot of, they're very deep on the defensive line. They've recruited well there. 
have a lot of guys playing early uh, and already making plays. Uh, I just think they're experienced. They've seen a lot. And, you know, every year they've gotten a little bit better since they've been in the program. When you mentioned the the amount of NFL talent there and, and just looking at, at Michigan's too deep right now, you have a bunch of guys on that defense that are either seniors or juniors who are for sure look like they're going to be, if not first round picks, then second or third round picks. And from looking at it as an Ohio State fan, I, I know about a guy like Rashawn Gary, and I think most Ohio State fans just based off of his recruitment are probably familiar with him, but how are Michigan fans feeling about the defense going forward next year? Because it does look like there's a lot of talent. They have recruited well, but is it going to be an extremely young defense next year? Are there some sophomores and freshmen that have already been getting a good amount of time who look like they're ready to blossom in place of some of those guys, much like Ohio State's defense did this year with the amount of talent they lost from the 2015 team? Yeah, I was thinking about that uh, over the weekend. Um, I was at the Michigan-Indiana game, and at one point I found myself kind of just counting the guys on defense and you know pretty much everyone is is gone after this year so they're going to look very different they're going to be a lot younger Rashawn Gary obviously he'll be back I think he'll be kind of the guy that um that whole defensive line is built around Maurice Hurst is a guy that a lot of people think might make the jump to the NFL but uh, he still have another year of eligibility and I wouldn't be shocked to see him stay so you've got two pretty good deep uh, players on the defensive line there I can just see some young guys at defensive end. The linebackers, uh, McCray will be back. Uh, they've got a young guy in Devin Bush that they like a lot. And then the secondary, I mean, uh, Jordan Lewis and Channing Stribblinger, they might they might be uh, one of the better quarterback combo. I mean, I think for what my money's worth, uh, Jordan Lewis is probably one of the best college corners that I've ever seen. So I think that duo, you're going to lose a lot there when they leave. But then you've got a pair of young guys in uh, – in David Long and Lavert Hill, um, that have, are true freshmen this year, that have played, that I think with the you know with more experience in the weight room, more experience in spring football, I think those guys will be fine. So I think the secondary will be fine. I think the defensive line will be fine. I think the the their question will be at linebacker, but the way everything sets up, I think that. There will be a drop-off. I just don't know how big it will be yet. I don't think that they're going to regress back to being, uh, you know, our Rich Rodriguez-era defense, but there's a lot of talent there. It's just unproven talent. Well, and switching to the other side of the ball on offense, just looking at Michigan's advanced profile right now, 25th in offensive S&P Plus, and really started the season out strong on offense. And for the most part, they've been pretty good. And the last two weeks probably have been their two worst performances of the season at Iowa a couple of weeks ago, and then the Indiana game last week. What's been the general feeling about the offense this season, and what are some of those in in just a broader sense, their general strengths and weaknesses. Yeah, I think one of the best kept secrets of the entire year was that, yeah, Mich- Michigan has some, some very good skill players. Uh, obviously, Jake Butt at tight end, J.U. Chess and Amara Darbo. Wilton Spade has done a good job of playing some mistake-free football. But I think something that they've been able to hide pretty well, and I, I don't know if it's because of the teams they've played or, you know, Spate being able to get the ball out quickly or whatever, but I think the offensive line is, I don't want to call it a weakness, but it's the, the lesser unit uh, on the offense. Uh, I think that at times those guys can get pushed around a little bit. You saw what Iowa was able to do. You know, they haven't always been able to impose their will, and, and those are a lot of senior guys up there now. And a lot of those guys will be gone after this year, too, so they'll be breaking in some new offensive linemen next year. I think 
and I'm sure we'll get to this more a little bit later uh, here, but I think one of the biggest keys to this game, I mean, these two teams are are as talented as Alabama is at the top of the mountain, but these two teams are as talented, maybe the mo- the two most talented teams outside of Alabama uh, in the country right now. And I think that, you know, if Michigan, d- despite all that, I think Ohio, a lot of, no one's really picking Michigan to win this game outside of maybe some, some people in Ann Arbor and uh, a few people sprinkled throughout the country. A lot of people are worried. In, and I think that if Michigan is going to win this game, they're able to, uh, to generate some yards on the ground to uh, open up some holes in the run game. I think that that will go a long way in, in uh, winning the time of possession battle and maybe even winning the game. So the offensive line is uh, the, the unit with most the most to prove, and we'll see uh, we'll see what they're able to do. But if you look at their offense, when it hasn't played well, it's been when their their offensive line has kind of got punched in the mouth. So in defensively, you talked a little bit about the strengths and weaknesses against Ohio State on offense. How do you think Michigan matches up with Ohio State on the defensive side of the ball? And where do you think that they'll be able to have the most success against the Buckeyes offense? Uh, I think I think JT Barrett's going to have a hell of a time throwing the ball because that defensive line is going to generate some pressure. Now, Barrett's a guy that can roll out of that and, and make plays with his legs, and that's something where Michigan has struggled with, even with you know, the last couple of years when they've had these strong defenses. But I think Jordan Lewis does a really nice job. Uh, I mean, he does as good a job as anyone. Channing Stribling has done a good job. The safety play has been kind of inconsistent, but they've still been able to get the job done. I think where Ohio State can give them problems is uh, on the edge. Uh, Michigan doesn't there have been times where Michigan doesn't set the edge all that well, and that's what I was kind of getting at with uh, Mike McCray. Having hope, you know, they want him to have a big game because he's kind of the key to all of that. So uh, I think when the ball gets outside the tackles, I think that's where teams move the ball in Michigan a little bit, and when they go up tempo as well. And you know, when you, I mean. Ohio State's a team that does that, and they do that very well. So if there's a way to move the ball uh, on Michigan, it, that's how it is. And there have been times where it's been really weird. Their defensive line has gotten pushed around a little bit. But most of the time, they do a, a great job stuffing the run and keeping things inside the tackles. But it's when you get outside the tackles where things uh, sometimes get a little bit iffy. So, And I'm sure uh, if when, when you prepare for Michigan, that's everyone's goal. I think Ohio State is the one team that can really exploit that. And you saw a lot of that in last year's game. Well, and on the injury front, it looks like what just came down the pipe is that Wilton Spate and John O'Corn were both practicing today per wide receiver Amara Darbo. Is it safe to say that we're not going to have any idea until game time what the status of Wilton Spate's going to be? Yeah, Jim Harbaugh's not going to say anything. I wouldn't expect a concrete answer on that until the game starts on Saturday. If you're asking me what I think will happen... I think that Wilton Spade's going to play this game, and I think he's going to uh, to be out there. You know, it's it's his non-throwing shoulder, so really, it's really just a matter of uh, pain management. How comfortable is he uh, taking snaps? You know, is it going to bother him with his throws? It, it seems like you know he was dressed in in pads for the Indiana game, and there was a point where he was. Uh, from my vantage point, it looked like he was warming up on the sidelines. So maybe if that game had gotten a little out of hand to the point where they needed to spark, he may have played against Indiana. But I do think. Uh, I think all of this is is snowballing into they kind of want Ohio State to have to prepare for two quarterbacks. Now, John O'Corn hasn't didn't really play well on Saturday, so I don't know if that's I don't know if there's much of a, a concern there on the uh, Ohio State end of things, but 
you know, whoever's out there, I, I think that I think they'll be fine, uh, assuming that uh, the offensive line does their job. But you know, if you were to ask me today what I think happens, I do think that uh, that Spade's going to get the nod in this game. Before we get into predictions, I wanted to get your perspective from the Michigan side on something that Matt Brown and I talked about on our podcast, and I wrote about today. Is that I, I think that there is probably more pressure on Michigan to win this game despite being underdogs and despite going on the road. You look at how they looked for most of the first two and a half months of the season, and it kind of seemed like it was trending towards, yeah, Michigan's the better team. You have a very young Ohio State team who, like you mentioned, has has struggled against tough defenses, and this is probably the best defense in the country. And when you're, you're struggling to pass against Michigan State, weather be damned, I, I don't know how you don't don't struggle against Michigan. Do you think that based off Michigan's too deep with all the seniors that we mentioned and everybody that looks like they're going to the NFL, to me it seems like this is Michigan's best chance at not only winning this game right now, but also going to the Big Ten title winning, going to the playoff, and possibly winning a national championship. Would you agree with that or disagree? I would say, you know, I've gotten this question a lot, and I, it seems like every time I, I struggle with it, having even having discussed it as often as often as I has, you know, I think that this year, yes, this is their best chance because their goals are right ahead of them to win the Big Ten title, get into the playoff, and see what happens from there. I mean, Ohio State wasn't supposed to beat Alabama in the playoff, and you know. All they did is embarrass him and go on and win the whole national title. So I think the way that Harbaugh coaches and the way he recruits, I think that I think they'll be right back in the mix uh, as soon as next year. And if not next year, certainly the year after that. But if you're looking at your surefire chance, you just look at all the NFL guys they have, the coaching staff they have in place, what's on the line. Because, you know, even despite despite Ohio State being 10-1, and I think – we could both agree that they've had more talented teams coming into the game. Uh, and Michigan's had less talented teams. And we've seen games that look like blowouts be close and, and go, go the other way sometimes. But uh, yeah, this is their best chance. And this is kind of one of those, I, I felt from the start that this is, yeah, it's more important for Michigan because to me, this is a balance of power game right now. The big 10 is Ohio state's conference and urban Myers conference. That's just, it's the way it's been since he's been there. Now, I know Michigan State uh, has won a couple Big Ten titles, but I mean, overall, just the way it recruits, the way the program has been going, I don't, Michigan can't call itself back until they clear this hurdle. Now, they cleared the Michigan State hurdle. Granted, Michigan State has had a horrible year, and I don't know how they rebound from from what's happened to them this year. I, I think their run might be over. But when you look at what's on the line in terms of just national perception, all the recruits that will be there Saturday. If Michigan wants to be talked about like Ohio State is, like Alabama is, and they'll they'll always be talked about in that same breath because as long as Harbaugh is there. But if if you want to be in that conversation without getting people to roll their eyes at you, Saturday is a game that they have to win. And I've just always kind of felt that way, just because it's you you have to you have to show that you're after the way this rivalry's gone for the last whatever it's been almost a decade and a uh, decade and a half to this point you have to show that you're going to put up a fight here and that you uh 
that that you can do some of the things Ohio State's done as well. Not that a loss would mean anything for Jim Harbaugh's job security, obviously, but if Michigan loses and he goes 0-2 against Urban Meyer in his two years at Michigan, does that mean anything for the Michigan fan base about thinking about Harbaugh overall, or is it just another loss to Ohio State? Kind of what would be, and we, we don't know how it would happen, but what would be the reaction to him going 0-2? I think a lot of fans are bracing themselves for losing this game Saturday. And if you lose it close, I think that's perfectly acceptable because I, you know, if you play a close game and a hard fought game and uh, you go on the road and do it, I think that's commendable. And that's, uh, it is what it is. But if he goes down there to Columbus this weekend and they lay an egg like they did last year, then people are going to start talking. If, if your resume for your second year with all the high expectations coming into the year is, a bad loss on the road at Iowa, which I know Kinnick's a tough place to play, but it's still a bad loss. And then going uh, going down to Columbus in in a revenge game and and getting you know getting your teeth kicked in again. That's that's not a good look. And and that's not to say that uh, he's overrated or that that Michigan isn't for real. But that's not you don't you don't want to go there. Is what I'm saying. You know, like I said, I feel like it's a balance of power game. It's one of those things where, you know, listen, rivalries are supposed to go, are supposed to be 50-50. I mean, you're going to lose it one year. You might lose it two years in a row, but then you might win three in a row. And then you might lose two in a row again. You know, that's just kind of the way it goes. And uh, Michigan's only recent win in this rivalry is, you know, the the Luke Fickle year. And that's, uh, they need to show, I think this is just another notch in their belt to, to say that, this program is back, not just back to being nationally relevant, but back to being championship relevant. And it's it's the hurdle that we've been waiting to see if they can cross all year. On that note, we might as well get to it. If you had to make a prediction, does Michigan get over that hurdle and, in your words, officially come back with a win over Ohio State on Saturday? Do I? See, again, do I think they can do it? Absolutely. I think the biggest key to the game is the battle up front on both sides of the football. I think Michigan has the ability to win both of those battles. I don't know how Wilton Spade's going to play. I don't know if he's going to play at all. Until I can't sit here today and say that Michigan will win this game until I know who's starting at quarterback. But even if Spade does start, I see this being, you know, a, a 28-27 game or a, a 20-17 to game. I don't think it's going to be super high scoring. I think both defenses are going to come to play. But I, I will give the edge to Ohio State uh, with them being at home. You know, it's... It's kind of crazy that the best thing that could have happened to them was losing to Penn State because now, you know, if they win this game Saturday, you'd think that Ohio State's in the playoffs. So it, uh, it's crazy how, how things work, and that's why you, you can't you can't make judgments on rankings or anything until uh, until the dust clears at the end of the season. So I am going with Ohio State in this game. Uh, I do think that it'll be, uh, it'll be close. Michigan will show up. Michigan will play well. But I think both teams are kind of trending in – I don't want to say opposite directions, but I think Ohio State's a different team now than they were in, uh, you know, maybe were in in September when they lost to Penn State. You know, Michigan has kind of cooled off a little bit. So in this game in Columbus, I'd have to give the edge of the Buckeyes. And you know what? I'm totally with you on on the closeness of the game. I think if if you're predicting a blowout for this game in either team's favor, uh, I think would just be crazy from what we've seen from not only these defenses all season, but Ohio State's offense when they've played better teams, the the non 
Penn State first half and Wisconsin second half, notwithstanding. And I do think that 20 to 17 in, in either team's direction sounds like a pretty correct score. I know Matt said he was predicting Michigan on our podcast yesterday. I'm going to agree with him, and I'm going to say 2017 Michigan. I think that based off of what you're saying with Michigan's defense, they have the exact pieces to give Ohio State the type of trouble that teams like Penn State, Michigan State, and Wisconsin have. I I find it hard to believe that Michigan's going to be able to score a lot of points, but if their defense is able to create a couple of turnovers, flip field position, they have a very real shot of winning this game. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's it feels very one-sided, but this is a two versus three matchup. So I expected to live up to that billing. And I, it's funny. I think both, uh, you know, you've got Michigan, I've got Ohio State. I think both sides are kind of, uh, are uh, they have their own concerns right now. And they're a little bit, a uh, little bit jaded based on the things they've seen. But all we can do is, uh, is see what happens Saturday. I think rivalry games are unpredictable. Rivalry games of this magnitude, uh, we'll see what happens. It's it's going to be fun. Like I said, I'm making uh, making my trip down to Columbus. It'll be my first time uh, at the at the shoe, so uh, excited to to check that out and uh, and hopefully see a, a really good football game that maybe it doesn't quite live up to what 2006 was, but hopefully it comes pretty darn close. Yeah, and I think at the very least we can both say that the game and the rivalry based off of what we've seen in the past two years and what we'll probably see on Saturday is back. But there you have it, folks. He is Anthony Broom. He is the managing editor for Maze and Brew. He'll be at the game on Saturday. So if you see him, show him some love. Be nice to the Michigan fans, not only Anthony, but all of the all the Maze and Blue. Please, you can you can throw stuff at me. Just <laughs> please I it's a long drive, so please leave my car alone. That's all I ask. Yeah, right. But make sure to show him some love. Make sure to show Maze and Bruce some love. Check out their website. Check out all of the content they have this week leading up to the game. Get the opposing perspective. Anthony, I got I to gotta show you some love, too. You're also a writer, 27 Sports and CBS Sports. So be sure to check out his NFL work there. And thank you for joining the show. We really appreciate it. No problem. We'll, uh, we'll do it again sometime. All right, Anthony. Thanks very much. Boom, there you have it. Want to thank Anthony Broom once again from Mason Brew for joining the podcast and talking all things Michigan and Michigan Ohio State. Make sure to check out Anthony's work over at maisonbrew.com. You can follow him at Anthony Broom and then follow Mason Brew on Twitter as well at Mason Brew. Only other really big piece of news I think this week has been the playoff rankings, which came out last night. I'm recording this on Wednesday, November 23rd, the day before Thanksgiving, and Ohio State stays steady at the number two spot, and Michigan once again at number three, and a lot of people mad online that Ohio State, it's looking like if they win this game, may make the playoff despite not winning the Big Ten Conference. And that remains to be seen. We'll see if Penn State can finish out the season against Michigan State with a win. But I must say, it would be very delightful if Ohio State were to make the playoff despite not winning the conference and Penn State got in the Big Ten Championship game over them. That would be a uh, a nice little thing for those of us who have less than kind things to say about the Nittany Lions. But I will save my shit talking for a separate podcast. That should wrap up today's show, though. If you want to find the show, you can do so on iTunes. Search Land Grant Holy Land, and you'll be able to find all of our shows in the archive. We would also encourage you to leave a comment, leave a review. It would greatly 
help out the podcast. You can even tell me I'm an idiot for picking against Ohio State like three or four times this season. But maybe I'm just trying to pull a reverse jinx. You never know. You can also find the show on SoundCloud. Go to soundcloud.com slash Land. You can listen there, download all that good stuff, and then you can find us as well on all of the social media outlets where bad takes are present at LandGrant33 on Twitter, LandGrantHolyLand on Facebook, and as well on Instagram at LandGrantHolyLand. I've been posting videos all week of some of the great moments in Ohio State, Michigan history, so please be sure to go onto Instagram and check those out and relive some of Michigan's greatest failures. That'll do it for the show today, though. We will talk to you guys next week after hopefully what is an Ohio State victory over Michigan, which would be five in a row, which would be pretty damn nice. But I hope you all have a very safe and happy Thanksgiving and you're able to spend it with all of your loved ones. Have a good weekend, everybody. Roll Hide. Beat Michigan. Michigan.